This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. Hey, 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 everyone, and welcome to the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. This is our festive special 2023. Yay! Everyone look really excited. Can you hear my jingly hat? I'm wearing a jingly hat. Uh, I've asked everyone else to wear a jingly hat, but unfortunately no one's brought a jingly hat. But Sam, uh, I think you're wearing a a, a t-shirt there, a Christmas t-shirt. Hello, I'm here. Hi. Yes, I am wearing a very Christmassy T-shirt. It says, OMG, Santa. And it's got a picture of um, Will Ferrell as Elf from the now modern classic uh, Christmas film, Elf. It is a a classic Christmas film, is that? It is is one of the best, and it's one that I forgot about the other day when someone asked me for my favourite Christmas films. I completely forgot about Elf. I think my favourite Christmas film is probably Scrooged which is uh, a 1980s uh, film with Bill Murray in, but uh, not a lot of people seem to remember that one. Dan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm all right. I've, I watched the uh, Christmas uh, Muppets uh, one film yesterday. Uh, Elf is on the list to, to watch shortly. Uh, I've lost my Christmas hat. Last year, I went out with it for a Christmas do, and I think it didn't come back with me. Um, I, I think I've only discovered this today. So sorry about that. I should have bought another hat, but I've, I've failed. But I am wearing a Christmas jumper, but it's not an elf Christmas jumper. So it's not as good as Sam's. It's a lovely Christmas jumper. I'll give you that. It's very... And, yeah. I've gone for black. tacky. You've gone for classy. I've gone for the, you know, heating's not really on and it's freezing. So actually it's quite a practical jumper. <laughs> ah, 2023. Yeah. Good, right. Well, I'm going to take this hat off because this isn't very good for audio, I'm afraid. I'll be jingling uh, throughout, so uh, let's try and sort this out. Right, okay, so before we kick off with our festive chat, um, Sam, you've just come back from Singapore and you visited one of the Universal, well, the Universal Park in Singapore. Do you want to um, <laughs> do you want to give us a bit of an update about Universal Singapore and the uh, what you found over there and uh, how you enjoyed the park over there. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. I'd love to. Sorry, I ran off. If you're watching the video, I ran off the screen and darted back. I I realized my fan in my room was blowing, so that's probably going to be there. Anyway, sorry, Ryan. Ryan always gets annoyed at me because I end up having (laughs) random things in my room that make (laughs) lots of background noise. Um, (laughs) Basically, yeah, Singapore was amazing. Thank you. I went uh, just a couple of weeks ago now. Um, or a week ago rather, and it was fantastic. Singapore is a beautiful place. But let's talk about Sentosa Island. So Sentosa Island is just off of Singapore, like still connected, connected by a railway um, and a bridge if you want to walk. Uh, and it is basically the resort of the main resort island of Southeast Asia. So um, it's made by Gentings or Genting, sorry, who uh, also do the Highlands in Kuala Lumpur. They have lots of other resorts around the world, Vegas hotels, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this is home on the island to Universal Studios Singapore, uh, to the, there's like casinos, there's water parks, there's zoos, it's just huge. Uh, beach clubs, um, 
Luging, that was great fun as well. And like anything you could imagine in terms of resort-based entertainment is really on this island. But let's focus on USS, Universal Studios Singapore. It was phenomenal. So let's talk about the entranceway. As you enter the park, you, you're in a sort of plaza uh, before you get to your, your turnstiles. So if you're used to, if you've been to any of the Universal parks, you're used to seeing the globe outside before, like usually you walk down some sort of concourse and you see the globe there before you enter, go under the arch and go to where the turnstiles are. That is a bit different here with it being an already in kind of an all in contained, self-contained resort. So uh, you just see the globe and the turnstiles ahead. Once you go through the turnstiles, you then enter your Hollywood Boulevard area. Again, this is really different because this is like a main street, if you think of it that way. But because in Singapore it rains, it's all undercover, which is really cool. So you get that wonderful Boulevard. You still get a lot of the same facades that you see in other universal parks around the, around the world. So uh, that is all pretty much standard. Your lion's share of coffee shops and retail, uh, some carts and things. And it's great in the morning because it's all lined with street performers and things. So as you enter down that park, you at the, at the end of the kind of Hollywood Boulevard area, the park expands. So it opens up into a lake, uh, which is your kind of hub and spoke, I guess, design. I guess it's more of a more of a donut, but there we go. Uh, and you have a choice. You can either go to the right or to the left. And the right will take you around the circle on the right going anti-clockwise or clockwise. I don't know which one that is. It will take you around. You can go through New York and then round uh, to the other various parks, parts of the park, or you can go the other way and do it in the reverse. We chose to do it through New York because New York just felt natural uh, off to the right. And uh, it was great because that is home to Sesame Street and to Steven Spielberg's Lights, Camera, Action, um, which is awesome. If you think of back in the day, if you remember Disaster or Twister, uh, those kind of um, practical simulator kind of rides where it, it runs very much on a clockwork basis every sort of 10 minutes. It will do its automated show and then reset. It's like that, but it's all hosted by Steven Spielberg. So it's really magical because it has that nostalgic feeling of all the pre-shows are hosted by Steven walking a soundstage, you know, and it's all very, very cheesy classic Universal. And it really made me... Um, miss the kind of the noughties and nineties of what Universal Studios was. Not that I was really there for the nineties, but I was there for the noughties. Um, so uh, it was it was great. It was lovely, and it's a really cool um, uh, effect. So they've got in there, and and, and the, sh the show itself was awesome. Loads of practical effects and things. So you come out of lights, uh, lights, camera, action. You keep walking down New York Street, and you'll come to the Sesame Street kind of area portion. That's home to a really sweet little dark ride, um, Elmo's Space Spaghetti Chase. I think it's something like that. Uh, it's a cute little Peter Pan style suspended. Uh, I wouldn't say coaster. I don't know if it technically comes under as a coaster. Some somebody out there will be able to correct me if not. But it uh, is like a slow moving dark ride, but almost on a suspension from above, which is really cool. Uh, and we keep moving down New York, then keep going down and you can turn or you will have to bear to the left, which then takes you into sci-fi like zone, uh, sci-fi city. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, getting all these names wrong here. Sci-fi city is home to Transformers. 
um, which again, carbon copy of every other Transformers out there, very good. Uh, one thing that perhaps from an entertainment point of view made Universal Studios Singapore stand out, especially a few years ago now, was they were the first park to have Transformers, as in the characters, to, sit, to meet them. So it's really nice because they've still kind of stayed true to that and stay strong to that. Um, and they still have those have those guys there. I think they have they had Bumblebee, Megatron, Optimus Prime. Um, yeah, that's what we saw on the day. But but they were out there constantly. They were really really quite proud of that to have kept that, which is lovely. Um, if you keep walking down, as you kind of exit the underpass, you're now exiting where the roof is above you, uh, and you're going out into the outside world. So the lake, just for your own visual mind, if you're listening to this, the lake is on your right. Uh, and you keep moving forward and you come underneath the two dueling quote unquote coasters there, which is based off of um, Battlestar Galactica. So that's human and cyborg based off the films, two different coasters, two different styles. One of them is a cyclone um, or cyborg, sorry, is a hanging. I think they're uh, Cylons, I think. Is that right? Simon, thank you. We need that to correct correct. that because we will have someone kicking off about that. <laughs> Simon, thank you. Apologies. Yeah, Simon, that was it. Um, it's, a, it's a lovely inverted coaster. Really great, really forceful. Um, really intense. To be honest, I sat on it thinking, uh, I actually said to the person that I was with, I, I sat next to her and I was like, this just this just isn't going to be intense because it's it's... I just couldn't imagine them having something intense at like the only family slash kind of theme park in Southeast Asia, the biggest landmark theme park they've got there. I couldn't imagine it being that intense at all. My goodness, that whips you around. And we were we weren't even right at the back. We were like in the in the kind of mid. And that really was intense and forceful. Definitely grey out, possibly black out. Um some really interesting elements. You went into a um extremely intense like vertical dive loop or whatever. Like you literally, it was such a strong loop. Um, it really, really flew you out your seat. Um, and there were some great Cobra rolls in there as well, just like a lot of inverted coasters do. Um, I'm not sure on the manufacturer on the top of my head. Someone will know it out there. Um, I apologize. I, apologize. Uh, I should know the manufacturer, but I don't. Uh, Human is the was, the was the other coaster. Uh, that is meant to be Tamer. Uh, we actually didn't prioritize that because we were on a very kind of tight for time budget. The park hours were very short. It was only 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. Um, so we were like, we just need to get everything done. And we only had that one day. So we were like, we'll prioritize one out of the two. Um, so we didn't do human because in my research, I'd heard that human is a lot slower uh, and isn't as exciting. So we didn't go near it. So if anyone's done it, reach out, let me know. Um, then you continue moving and you come out of sci-fi and you enter the mummy, uh, like the Egyptian area, which is home to a bunch of different, uh, two attractions actually. It's home to uh, the, the Revenge of the Mummy, the coaster, um, like a lot of its counterparts. And it's home to uh, a kid orientated, I think it's called Hidden Treasures of Egypt. And it's like a, it's a, uh, a car driving, Autotopia style attraction, moving through Egyptian treasures and things. So we didn't do the kids ride because we were a bunch of adults. And although there's no shame if you like 
to do children's rides, we didn't want to prioritize it. Um, and uh, on the, so one thing that I do want to say about the Egyptian area was just the level of theming. Let me tell you, not to say that Sci-Fi City wasn't great. I mean, it, it, it was it was cool, but this Egyptian area, the level of compression and expansion that you felt when entering that area, they had these two huge sculptures uh, and like big walls that really compressed your environment inwards. So in a lot of theme park engineering and design, they're going to compress your environment when you move through something so that your the landscape that you're entering, whether it's an inside a dark ride like a pirate's tunnel or going into a new land, for example, uh, Nintendo World, uh, Super Mario are you, World. Are you, are you saying that this Egyptian area is better than the river caves at Blackpool Bridge Reach? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, oh, well done. <laughs> well done, Ryan. That is a great example of compression and expansion being used. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, no, I will not say that. I will say that is still, <laughs> that ride is still the best example of that. I've seen. That's the best, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, sorry. So, yes, the Egyptian area is just incredible. And uh, the the facade that the mummy uh, show building sits in is just enormous. Like it covers the whole front. It looks like an Egyptian temple. They even took time to uh, create like a walkway leading up to the ride. So, so if you came in from the from kind of where the other side is and you wanted to get that the, the feeling of being in Egypt you really got the runway of the palm trees and of the uh the kind of sculptures and the sphinxes or whatever all leading up to the big temple there which is just awesome the ride itself was a wonderful mix between the Orlando and Hollywood version uh nothing too crazy in terms of standout the dark ride section was in there with all the effects excuse me and the uh and the coaster itself was wonderful by that point i'd also reveled in the fact that you could drink beer in theme parks again so i was like yes and i was several beers down before riding the coaster which was great um as that doesn't happen in the part of the world that i live in so we continue moving on outside of the ancient egypt area to enter um jurassic park arguably my favorite area of the park uh this was wonderful very different to the other Jurassic Park areas that you will have gone to if you've done other Universal Studios uh, parks around the world. You enter a kind of concourse um, where it's all outside still, so it's just kind of the 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 light shades change to that weird looking like claw holding the lamp. You'll know what I mean if you're a Universal person. And um, the vegetation gets heavier, of course. And uh, as you enter... Uh, the, the pathway that there's like a central plaza area where they have this huge sculpture of two dinosaurs kind of fighting you have a discovery center restaurant style situation on the left hand side or you can make a right at that statue where you see the big gates the big jurassic park uh gates which are awesome again all jurassic park not jurassic world um which is lovely frankly in my opinion uh so jurassic park is great it opens up but you really can't see anything because there is so much vegetation, A, with it being Singapore is very green anyway, naturally, but you can't see a lot. You have to keep walking through the doors and into the land further. You can move to the right as you go straight through those doors and you'll be greeted with the entrance to uh, the main Jurassic Park attraction, which we'll get onto in a sec. Or you can go to the left-hand side where you can do uh, the pterodactyl flyers 
um, I can't what they call that now. It's not called that. It's the, it's the coaster and they have an Orlando and it hangs from the top. I'm sure it's called pterodactyl, uh, pterodactyl flyers or dino flyers or something like that, something flies. But the cool thing about um, that coaster is that adults can ride it too. So unlike the Orlando version, where it's kids only, adults can ride this one, uh, which is awesome. And if you continue moving down even further straight into the land, um, there's a couple of flats, uh, flat rides and carts and things, but you see the main drop uh, open air where you can stand and watch and view the boats come flying down from the drop. So let's talk very briefly then quickly about the rapids adventure because this is what makes this ride so cool and unique you will have done i'm sure anyone out there listening boys i know you have definitely done the um the classic jurassic park river adventure right it's great but this is where you're sat in like a rubber dinghy rapids oh my goodness fantastic right so exciting so great uh, it really makes it more intimate, makes it feel a bit more privatized as an experience. You're not on a mass boat of 50 people because there's only eight of you. Uh, and you're flying along similar kind of scenes, similar vibes. You enter moments of peril where you think things are going to fly down. And they have um, the tipping car, like in the uh, Hollywood attraction, except in the Hollywood version, it, it falls and drops. Um, it doesn't in this one. It just stays tipping. And you then enter your the the the, um, the hydro plant is what it's called so as you're moving through it's kind of this similar some jump scares with the t-rex claws that you have in the other attractions however we were coming to the end of the uh the long tunnel and suddenly there was a split track and we were like well what's gonna happen here well there was door a and door b and a split track, like the river split in two. So we got split onto door A. Well, well, there wasn't anything through the door. Well, the doors behind us closed. And I, I, I kid you not, it turns out we were in an elevator. The floor started rising up and up and up and up and up, <laughs> right? Because I hadn't, I hadn't done any research. I was spoiler free for this. But then what makes this even more, not only are you boxed in in quite a tight space, right? And there's only nine of you in this tiny boat that you've been on this dramatic journey already of, plastic animatronic dinosaurs trying to threaten you if you like, it's terrifying. But as the elevator gets higher and higher, they repurposed the, the T-Rex moment when he comes flying down. But instead of him coming out in front of you, like in the drop, he's right in the elevator shaft with you, like overlooking your boat in the elevator shaft and the elevator shaft comes to the top, right? It stops and the dinosaur is right there, like in the middle of your boat. It's so close and so intimate to the point where we were like, you could probably almost touch, probably not just, but you felt like you could touch the animatronic. You were that close. So it was really quite intimidating. And then of course the doors open up and boom, you're hit with a, with a wicked drop. Uh, generally one of the coolest, coolest versions, probably my favorite version of that attraction uh, I've ever done because it is so intimate. Um, you then, after you've left Jurassic Park, you enter Shrek which is a whole Magic Kingdom vibe happening there. Let me tell you, they basically created land of far, far away. Uh, there is a suspended coaster there, family coaster, um, which is pretty interesting, and Shrek 4D. Other than that, there's um, some interesting shows. There's like a, uh, a show with Gingy, uh, who's like a live puppet on stage, which is very, very interesting. If you think of Chucky at HHN, very similar vibes, but Gingerbread Man instead, um, which is great. 
and some good food and beverage outlets. So Shrek was a really expansive land for a 4D show. If I'm being honest, I now think 4D shows are a bit dead. I understand why we have to have them, but I think they're dead. And I particularly think Shrek 4D has kind of run its course. And I think they now need to either repurpose it with something else or that entire land takes up so much space for essentially just a 4D show. I think, in my opinion, kill the show, uh, as in the, 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 the 4D show, and um, make, a, make a massive dark ride. Keep the Shrek IP, because it's obviously very popular, but build a, a new and exciting dark ride. Um, I feel like the 4D show is, is a bit old and tired now. Um, so as you continue moving out of Shrek, you will move into, well, in fact, I think that was where we got, because a few of the areas were under construction. Yeah, that was it really for us. There wasn't because uh, there was Waterworld, which was available, but unfortunately we didn't go and get to see that show. That was at Jurassic Park. But all the other bits were boarded up because uh, they were being worked on with Minion Land coming soon and building a Nintendo World. So that kind of side of the park was very much shut off. Um, Is there no uh, no Jaws? No. No Jaws. Ah, I want to. I want to try Jaws, and obviously it's gone from Florida. It's on my hit. It's list. in Japan. It's it's in yeah. Japan. It's the only place, unfortunately. Yeah, and we're we're hoping to head over to Japan in twenty five. So I'm hoping to don't close Jaws down by the time I get there. But um, oh well, thanks for that, uh, Sam. I think we'll we'll touch on that a bit more in a future episode because I'm kind of interested in uh, how. A lot of people ask about, you know, can you go to Singapore on a split stay if you're flying by and things like that? So it'd be good to explore some of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, all I would say about Universal Singapore is it is small, but it's mighty. If you think of all the best bits of every Universal Park, uh, it's literally that just crammed into a smaller park. And it's beautiful. And just because it's small, it doesn't mean it's not as good. It is <laughs> mighty, my friends. That is true. That is true. Just because it's small, it, it doesn't mean it's not as good. Um, right, okay, well, let, let's talk about festive beverages. <laughs> so um, do you want to see what festive beverage I brought today? In fact, it's not a festive beverage, it's just an interesting beverage. But I have with me uh, an Aunt Bessie's Apple Crumble and Custard Pale Ale beverage. Wow, I'm not sure what to think of that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I've I've not tried it yet. I need to. I need to An apple pie thing. flavored ale. Yeah, it's apple apple crumble. Try and get that on. Right, that is so, so you, isn't it? Right, Bess, so you. you can actually get a jam roly poly version, and you oh. can get um, a Sunday roast version as well. Um, I'm not sponsored by this, by the way. <laughs> although, if you do want to send me a case of beer, uh, I'm sure that'll be fine. Why bother eating when you can just drink your your way through an entire meal? Do you know what? It smells really, really sweet. Also, I just want to mention, if uh, Diz After Dark or Drunk Riders are listening to that, we haven't stolen your section. We're just doing it today. Please don't don't send me uh, any cease and desist letters for stealing people's bits. Um, we, we have. We're coming for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Dan, really like Diz After Dark. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's really good, Diz After Dark. I, I listen all the time. A bit of a plug there. Um Dan, what have you got? What are you drinking? So I'm I, I'm still in recovery from a, a pretty a pretty extreme work night out on Friday. Um, so I've I've gone all out for tonight. I'm drinking 
cherry coke from a wine glass. That is fancy, is that? I like it's that. It's pretty fancy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's cherry coke, which is cherry that's, coke. That's quite hard to come by. It's the most festive of all cokes. I assume. I don't know. I can't really back that up, but I'm going to go with it for now. I think vanilla Coke, is vanilla Coke more festive than cherry Coke, maybe? And can you even get vanilla Ooh. Coke anymore? I don't know. No, you can. I'm sure you can. Must um, be I, I'm still going with cherry. I agree. In fact, I had the other day, I had peach Fanta. I know. And I'm looking at the camera with a very bemused look because I was, I had the exact same look. I couldn't believe on earth that there was a peach Fanta. Um, very exciting. Have you, so have I you care. tried the, uh, at Halloween, did you try the What the Fanta? Uh, that was all over in Orlando, mm. the What the Fanta. It tasted like kind of like a weird blue bubble gum type thing. It was pretty gross, mm. to be honest. Yeah, that sounds awful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very sickly. Yeah. And uh, Sam, what are you drinking? Look, I decided to go for an absolute staple classic at this season. And arguably, I would never drink this drink any other time of the year. I would say this is, well, I would say it is. It's a wonderful hot chocolate. And I know it's boring, but I don't drink hot chocolate any other time of the year. So that's true. That's true. Actually, I've been drinking hot chocolate a little bit uh, and I probably don't drink it the rest of the year. I mean, you definitely don't drink it in summer, do you? I mean, if you drink hot chocolate in summer, then I just don't know what's going on. I just don't imagine know. that. Imagine <laughs> going to the beach. How weird would that be? Imagine going on your summer holiday right? and you're there on your beach. You're in your, you're in your, you're in, you're in, you're in the Algarve, Algarve, you know, and you're, you're on the beach and someone goes, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What have you got mug there for? <laughs> Hot chocolate, isn't it? Hot chocolate God. and ba- Hot chocolate and Baileys. I have heard of people going to Benidorm and drinking hot chocolate and Baileys. Apparently that is a thing I've heard. Right. Uh, it's just a rumour, but I've I've uh, I haven't been to Benidorm since I was a young child and um we only went because the marathon was on. So um my parents used to marathon. Um but yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, so uh, just to reiterate, uh, please don't send me a cease and desist letter. We've not stolen your bit. It's just for today. Might do it again next year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, let's talk festive traditions because I got a bit of stick for this last year, and uh, and I want to see. I want to see again if you now had a year to reflect on this and and decide that you were wrong. Uh, that I believe that the world's strongest man <laughs> is in fact a Christmas tradition, you know, because watching burly men lifting tires, you know, lifting cars and stuff for Christmas, I reckon that is classic Christmas. So what do you guys think about that? <laughs> See, last year I disagreed with you, but ever since then I've been regretting that that you know that bit of feedback and I've been really excited this year about watching really beefy men really you know sweaty muscular men on the TV signifying Christmas and I think that's a a really interesting novel Christmas tradition that you've brought to a wealth of people yeah and it's perfectly normal and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise I love it I love World's Strongest Man it's great you know what 
there's never a time when I don't need sweaty Burnley men on my TV. So uh, I, I need to, <laughs> I need to, uh, to be, to be doing this now as a nutrition. I don't think I'm going to be able to find that kind of content out where I live right now, but um, I think maybe I can live stream it or something on yeah, Christmas maybe. day. Is I'm it, sure. is it on Christmas day? They, they show this. They show the men in the hot pants. When do they show that? <laughs> they don't when wear hot. They don't wear hot pants. They're, well, they're, you know, speedos. They don't wear speedos. They're they're actually athletes. Like they are athletes, and and it's it's a really tough sport to get into. The current world's strongest man, or at least the current world's strongest man, because it actually happens in the summer, and then it gets aired over Christmas. So they, we already know there's a new world's strongest man. I don't know who that is, but the last two years has been. Um, one of the Stoltman brothers, Luke's, uh, not Luke Stoltman, Tom Stoltman, um, who's British, well, Scottish. Uh, Luke Stoltman has been Europe's strongest man. He's his brother. And I think they might have a younger brother coming through as well. Um, so the British do pretty well at it. Um, we'll have to see this Christmas. But I don't know if they... So they, they show it for like a few weeks. I'm sure they show it for a couple of weeks up to Christmas and then up to New Year. And I think... The, the, I'm sure they show it on Boxing Day. And I think the final might be on New Year's Day, something like that. So, um, so yeah, I'd suggest I suggest watching World Strongest Man. Uh, Sam, what's your uh, favorite Christmas tradition? So my Christmas tradition is, can I just say actually really quickly about the World Strongest Man? <laughs> I <laughs> I just need to say that <laughs> that does feel like a very Boxing Day thing, you know. Bo- Boxing Day is sort of slightly unhinged, isn't it? You used to you have wrestling. I mean? <laughs> used to have wrestling, didn't they? You know, you had big, big daddy and haystacks and all that stuff kind of going on. You know, yeah, right? Like, uh, like <laughs> Boxing Day is a wild west. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Some people do board games and dinner. Some people do world strongest men. Some people just. Some people do that. Um, the trolley racing, where you know you get in shopping trolleys and you race um, from pub to pub to pub. Um, that's done in uh, Crawley. They do they do one of them. So it's such an unhinged day because everyone does something so different. I think there's a there's a cheese. I think there's like a cheese wheel race type thing that goes on down south. Is that somewhere. on Boxing Day? A cheese uh, the cheese rolling. I think so. And then there's bog snorkeling, isn't there? That happens as well. That's another yes. thing. Uh, bog snorkeling. Um, do you know if people are watching this who who are not in the UK, they're probably thinking, what is wrong with you all like surely you should just be like you know cozied up watching tv but no we want to go bog snorkeling cheese wheel racing and all sorts so of cheese stuff. cheese um cheese racing yeah is basically this bizarre tradition i don't know why or how it started but they go up to a very this particular hill in the uk and they roll this whole wheel of cheese and the game is, is that you have to try and catch the cheese rolling, but it's on such a dangerously steep hill that people, well, people will try, right? Everyone will go. There's like queues of people, but it's so dangerous. There's ambulances parked at the bottom because people break everything. Um, and like, I think the man that, the guy that is actually famed and famous for catching the cheese, I mean, you got to hand it to him. I mean, he, I think he's missing like 10 teeth, but you got to hand it to him because because he always catches that blooming cheese and he will just, you just tumble and tumble and tumble down this hill. It's actually really dangerous. Oh dear. So, so what is your Christmas tradition? Cause I think we talked about everyone else's. 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, yes. So my Christmas tradition is on Boxing Day. We uh, that's the day after Christmas. We always go and see a mummers play. Now I know what you're thinking. What on earth is a mummers play? Right. It's basically a very traditional folklore-based play uh, that they would do outside of pubs traditionally or, or taverns or whatever. Um, and it would be accompanied by Morris dancing. So it would be Morris dancing, right, which is like folklore, U UK paganistic dancing that we that we do. Um, and, uh, and then it was a play, good versus evil, yeah, kind of a Christmas story, but not, and it's kind of St. George and fighting evil or whatever and you know the good versus yeah good, good versus evil classic pantomime stuff but what's so lovely about it is it's done the one that we go to in particular it's always the same story but it's just done by this really local group of old men that just enjoy morris dancing and just go down to the pub and put on this show with these like props from the 70s or 80s or 90s you know what i mean these old props and they just they're all kind of they've got repairs and they're patched up and and it's just all the locals and communities from far and wide come down and watch this the silly the silly pantomime you know and it's just really bizarrely english um and we do that every single year see i, I not this year <laughs> yeah see i didn't realize that morris dancing was a christmas thing i've just been out today and come across some morris dancing i thought it was a, a may thing that we did in may like i don't know if you guys did this at school but used to do the maypole and you kind of danced around the Maypole, and I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I no, I, I thought it was a May thing as well. But then when I went to London uh, a couple of weeks ago, they were doing they were doing some of the dancing, and I was like, oh, right, so, yeah, it must be a seasonal thing. But you, you don't see a lot of it up in the north, so I'm not sure what's going on. No, well, we, we saw a bit today, and there was a lot of, you know, knee slapping and, and hand jangling and all that kind of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, they whipped their sticks out and started doing the stick tapping thing. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah, you got to get your your sticks out and 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 sort of bang your sticks together and um, you know, uh, it, it always surprises me. It always surprises me. You always think they're going to do some sort of massive wipe, right? You think they're going to sort of really, you know, do some cleaning, but it's the most gentle taps. It really is a It's always a bit kind of underwhelming. You're like, "Come on, you know, whack the sticks." <laughs> There we go. Um, and Dan, what's your Christmas tradition? So what I like about the Christmas traditions is they change uh, over time. And what I've realised over the last couple of years is that we have a brand new Christmas tradition. Um, and what we do is the the day, Christmas Eve, where we, we think we're organised, we think we're ready. Uh, everything's, you know... The evening of uh, of Christmas Eve, we make sure all the final wrapping's done. It's all good. The kids' stuff's ready. Everything's good. Everything's calm. We've got the tree. It all looks beautiful. Um, and then Christmas morning, um, it's just absolute chaos. And there's like wrapping paper everywhere. And suddenly we realise that we're not at all prepared for the sheer scale of mess that we now have on our hands. And we realise that there's like two inches of just like wrap, ripped up wrapping paper all over the floor. So Steph and I, every year now, we panic and we think we we need to clean this up quick because this is this is you know this is a hazard. If there's a fire now, we're all dead. So we run around and we like fill two or three massive bin bags full of rubbish, 
uh, in, a, in a like a, a desperate attempt to make the house livable again. And then by 11, we realize that we've got enough room now to walk and then we give up. And that's basically our, our tradition uh, of just panic and trying to stay on top of the mess. And then we realize that we've forgotten something like batteries. Batteries are a biggie and have to like phone round friends and family to try and try and like appease the kid that's screaming. That's the biggest nightmare, isn't it? When you, you forget to get the batteries and then you, you can't... I think one thing, my one thing, one year, my parents weirdly gave me a, a choice. They said something like, Santa wants to know if you want all your Christmas uh, presents wrapped up or whether you want them all out on the floor in your bedroom or something like that. I don't know what that was about. Um, and so, for, so, I, so I decided. Brilliant. So I just, I'll, I'll try that one. Yeah. So, so for whatever reason, so basically, they said, "Well, you know what? What will happen is you'll wake up, and then all your presents will just be there, ready in your bedroom. You won't have to come downstairs, and you won't have to unwrap them or anything." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so what my parents did is, while while I was asleep, they actually got my presents out, and and one thing they actually made, they got me a Thomas the Tank Engine uh, train thing and um I'm, I, I'm sure i woke up during the night and i saw my dad uh putting the train <laughs> together and i was like what are you doing it's like it's like shush go back to sleep or whatever <laughs> and in the morning i said to my mum, i said i think my dad were in my bedroom uh doing something with with my toys and went no it, it what happens is santa appears in a form that's familiar to you <laughs> <laughs> isn't, isn't, isn't that what they say about aliens like <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, so that year uh, we didn't have any problems with batteries or anything because they had to actually make the whole thing up the night before, uh, and it was all ready to go. So well, you you just go. can't you can't win with kids' toys like this. One year, um, when when my son was going through his his train phase, like we needed C battery cells. Like no one uses C battery cells. Like D, yeah, fair enough. Oh, hang on, was it C? It's it's the ones that like aren't really chosty. They're just like a little bit any anyway. No one used them. We didn't have them. We panicked. And then like friends will bring in like a, a, a toy round that requires like 18 AA batteries because that's normal. And so it leads up all the batteries you had ready for all of the toys. Um, or like you think it's it's AA, but it's AAA. And it's just a nightmare. You just got basically, if you're a parent, you just got to pack all the battery. You've got to spend like 50 quid on batteries just to make sure that you've got the sufficient quantity of all the batteries that could possibly happen. And then you forget you bought all these batteries. So you stick them in the attic. And then one day you realize you've got like a hundred quid's worth of just random out of date batteries in your attic, which I do have now. I've got little button batteries and everything. It's ridiculous. I hate blooming, but like everything should just come with rechargeable lithium ion batteries, but they don't. And I hate that. So uh, now let's let's mention our new sponsor, uh, Duracell Batteries. Uh, <laughs> no, we were. I yeah, hate I hate batteries. <laughs> in, all, in all fairness, Dan, I never appreciate. I only really appreciated this the other day, but but for Father Christmas, like you never appreciate. Certainly, as a child, like so, I have siblings. I've got a brother and sister, right? So for my mom and dad, like Christmas. It must be just unbelievably expensive for some people because you're 
because there's Father Christmas and then there's and then there's all oh, there's I don't know how people do it, but there's you know Father Christmas and then there's and there's other gifts as yeah, well. Yeah, well, well, exactly. Right. One uh, last year, my my son um, said to me, he said two two lines which I'll never forget. One was uh, the best thing about Christmas, Dad, is that you don't need to worry about the cost because Santa brings it all, and that made me laugh. <laughs> But then the, the the bad the worst thing that is that's ever happened to me at Christmas was uh, a couple of Christmases back when I wrapped all my presents up and said it was from Santa, and Steph wrapped all of her presents up and said it was from her. So Martin was thrilled because he had loads of presents from Santa, and then asked me why I didn't get him any presents. <laughs> but oh, we did, yeah. and I felt I, I was like, there's no way I can't defend myself without like spoiling christmas for him so i just had to yes. say oh i didn't I, you know I, I just left it to santa this year sorry <laughs> that's a bad move that's a bad move um so uh so in terms of like you know uh films and stuff you know i think we had this conversation last year but i think we need to we need to probably revisit this one i think like are there any films that you think are christmas films but other people don't think of Christmas films. But for some reason, you have to watch it at Christmas for some reason. And everyone always goes with like, um, uh, um, sorry, I'm struggling to remember names. Um, well, we'll have to move. Past, yeah, we'll have to move past Die Hard because I think we Die Hard. Thank I think you. We said that one before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, it always comes up, doesn't it? It's not really. Is it a Christmas film? I don't really. Strictly speaking. It takes place at Christmas. I actually haven't watched it in a while, so I can't remember. Yeah, so Die Hard takes place at Christmas, but so does Die Hard 2. But Die Hard 3 doesn't, because I think it's actually oh, right. in the middle of summer. So I think anything that has like like really nice like classical music like that you might watch together as a family, it sort of has a bit of a Christmassy feel. Like Steven Spielberg kind of films with with the, the the cool sort of background music, like all of that kind of stuff, like I think has a, a wintry kind of homely feel to it, which is a bit Christmassy. Um, like E.T., for instance, like it's sort of for me, it's a bit of a Christmas film, but it's not really. But you would watch it at Christmas. Um, so may, maybe that. Yeah, I th- I agree with E.T. and also Jurassic Park for me is a Christmas film, just because. I remember getting the VHS for Christmas and then watched it about 50 times. <laughs> yeah, that used to happen a lot, didn't it? They used to release the VHSs at Christmas. Yeah, and the Matrix. I remember, I remember having, the Matrix as well. That was one. Yeah, I, made, I, I remember having Jurassic Park 3 of Christmas on VHS and that was so exciting. Um, so one of the films that I would say is a Christmas film for me, but is definitely not a Christmas film. Um, there's two, actually. So one is Chitty 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 Bang Bang, which is commonly played at Christmas, but that's when we would watch it. The other one, (laughs) and you may not have heard of this animation, there's this really bizarre animated movie, and I promise you this is a real thing, you can Google it afterwards. It's called The Magic Pudding. And the whole movie is based around a, a pudding that comes alive and lives in Australia and has to try and find his way back. And he meets like a, all these Australian creatures and he sings and it's, but he's also, he's voiced by John Cleese and he's just, and it's just bizarre because it's actually really quite rude and quite innuendo filled and naughty and, 
I'm strangely sexual at times. And um, <laughs> generally, that's bloody pudding. And, uh, a and a sexy Christmas pudding. <laughs> But it's not a Christmas pudding, right? It's just a, it's a fig oh. or some fruit pudding. But because I just associate it to Christmas because I think because that's when I got the VHS as a child. I don't oh. know why or where I got this VHS from. It just was always there. And we always watched the magic pudding. I'm dead serious. If you Google this thing now, it is the weirdest movie. And I think you can really watch it on YouTube now for all I know. But it's bizarre. Oh. It's so bizarre. Right. It sounds a bit like Stickman, like the the premise. Have you watched Stickman? I haven't, but I'm going to Google it. Right I think now. that is an actual Christmas thing. Uh, it's got it's voiced by uh, Martin Freeman. Um, oh but that's, yes, yeah, like that's 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 quite a Christmassy thing. But that's supposed to be Christmassy, I think. But also, it's quite traumatizing. Like it's quite hard to watch that because it's all very tense. Um, if you haven't watched it, give that a go because it's it's quite seasonal. Yeah, I, but the magic pudding most definitely <laughs> is most definitely not. I'm going to Google uh, that. The magic pudding. The magic pudding. It the came magic out in, pudding. Came out in 2000. Well, um, uh, and it's yeah, got it. Wow, that that doesn't look Christmassy. <laughs> it's well, well, last year we last year we spent Christmas in Anglesey and. Um, People just spent a lot of time watching terrible films in the lounge. And and you know how they have these TV channels, you know, like Christmas 24 or whatever, or Christmas all the time. And it's always a combination of like the worst films that you could imagine. And one of them, we can't understand what the plot was. I think it was rubbish. But then at the end, the tagline was where they got married or something. And then the guy just goes, je m'appelle, yes. <laughs> and we're like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Je m'appelle, yes. Oh, I it means uh, that they had very limited French ability. Well, the but guy wanted a French line. Well, the guy was meant to be French. That was a weird thing. <laughs> that was Is that a... <laughs> I? I am yes. Is I, that... Yeah, I am. I am yes. Maybe it's like I am legend, but I am. I am yes. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe. Do you know? Um, there's one Christmas film that has an absolute modern classic, right? That I adore. I have a new obsession with Hallmark movies, right? Like cheesy, awful Hallmark films, I adore. And there's one that came out on Netflix um, called uh, Fooling for Christmas. It stars Lindsay Lohan, right? In her, in, her, in her new movie. And it was a big deal because it was Lindsay Lohan's first return to the screen in a long time. But um, it was just such a cheesy, wonderful film. And I loved it so much that it's now become somewhat of a, um, of a Christmas Christmas staple now. I love it. I love it. I love it. Right. Okay. So um, let's move on to uh, highlights from 2023. So I asked you to come with uh, a highlight each uh, from 2023. So um, I'll start with Sam. Have you got a highlight from 2023 that you'd like to share? I do. I do. Uh, so we're talking like theme park highlight, right? Of 2023. Yeah, theme parks or attractions related high. Sure, sure. So, um, in all honesty, I kind of narrowed it down in my head to like the best experience, the best like ride ride or, or, or uh, themed experience that I had all year um, from a consumer point of view, right? Uh, and in all honesty, uh, I know I've spoken about it in depth already, but it was it was the Rapids ride. It was the Jurassic Park Rapids ride. 
I was so enthralled by that and enchanted by that just because it was so intimate and so intense. Like it was just so much fun. It was such a fun, well-themed experience as a, as a package. So it's going to be that for me. Perfect. And Dan, what's your highlight from 2023? I think the, the, the memory that that's become like a, a core memory for me from 2023 um, was obviously we went back to, to Disney world uh, again. My son was a bit older and we, we thoroughly traumatized my, my son last time we went when he was, he was really too young to go on any rides and we took him on like seven dwarfs and stuff. And I, I didn't think he would go on much this time because I, I thought he sort of remembered enough that he was going to be a bit freaked out. Um, but he, he declared uh, the first day we were there that he wanted to go on Expedition Everest. And we were like, are you sure, Martin? Because this is an actual, it's, a, it's an actual roller coaster. Like it does go quite fast. He was like, yeah, yeah, I want to go on. I want to go on that one. I'm going to be brave. Uh, and I'll, I'll go with you, Daddy, and it'll be fine. I'll, I'll, you know, we'll, as long as I'm with you, it'll be fine. So I went on it with him. And then, as I've discussed previously with, with you guys, he passed out. Um, but, <laughs> but he only passed out briefly. And then he, he declared that he really enjoyed it. And he wanted to go on it again. And I'm not sure if he knows that he passed out. And he's just forgotten the worst bit because he was unconscious um, but then he went on other big rides, like, cause I couldn't hold him back. Like he really wanted to do all these other big rides. So like he did, um, later on when we'd established that he could do rides and that it wasn't going to be dangerous. He went on, um, as for think he went on test track and he went on, um, guardians of the galaxy. Like it was a proper, he, he, by the end of the holiday, it was properly hardcore, but that first day going on expedition Everest, like it, it, it was, it was a memory, like having to hold him in his seat. Um, so yeah, if you've got kids, just a heads up. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite, it is quite fast and your kids might want to do things that maybe they just need a warm up to do. Yeah. And we got, and we got him onto, we got him onto Valhalla, didn't we? Um, and he, he, he seemed to enjoy that or was it? Yeah, he loved it. He's properly in, like now that we've got him on big roller coasters, he, he's properly fine with them. I think it was just, it was, the, it was the first day we were there. He hadn't done any roller coasters in a while. And it's that bit where it shoots you forward and very rapidly, like you get a little bit of a negative sort of G as, as you sort of go down the hill very rapidly. And it was just that moment where he sort of flopped um and i just i just think that maybe it was it was the speed and it was he wasn't able to visually process what was going on because you go out that dark tunnel and then there's this whole you know world out there and then you're turning very rapidly Uh, i don't know what it was and it didn't happen again um but yeah it was it was a memory um but yeah, he's he's really brave now. He'll go on anything, and it's it's scary. You just have to hold him back because even if he's like height appropriate, like he is still young. So just yeah, it's 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 now like us limiting him rather than him, which is interesting. So the second time he went on Everest, he he didn't pass out. He was loving it. He was good to go. He didn't go back on Everest. We banned okay. Everest for the rest of the <laughs> trip. <laughs> Fair enough. Good call. Good call. Oh, well, good for, you know, he'll be a coaster junkie before you know it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's only seven at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah, he, he was he was well up for Guardians. Um, but I think maybe the difference is Guardians. Like it's it, obviously it's 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 a very new ride and it's very smooth. 
Um, and I don't think visually there's as much in there that's so scary. Like there's no, you can't see the drops. You can't see what's happening. It just happens to you. Um, so I think may, maybe that was a difference or maybe it's just the back end of the trip and he, he knew what he was doing. But yeah, certainly, certainly a memory. That's wild. So was he passed out for a while? Like, did he, as you came out into the drop of Everest, um, was he like sort of no, literally, or was it just like, for a minute? It, it was about three seconds. Okay. So he was flopping. He properly flopped, and then I, I pitched him back. Like I, I was sort of prepared just in case. Mm. Um, so I was watching him. The I wasn't looking forward. I was just looking at him. I pinned him back into a seat, and then it sort of you fly into the other tunnel. And then he says, he, he said he remembered there being the disco. He, he remembered the flashing Yeti. So he remembered the disco Yeti. So he was, he was definitely back up and running for that bit of the ride. So it, it can only have been like going around that corner and back into the tunnel that he was he was gone for. But like, it, yeah, it, it, it's so difficult being a parent at theme parks. It really is. <laughs> Hats off to you. I mean, a Disney trip for any... Uh you know, parent is wild enough, but yeah, incredible. And good for, good for Martin, you know, cracking on. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. He's braver than I was at his age, to be fair. So <laughs> I really can't, yeah, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, you wouldn't have been able to pay me money to go on a ride like that. Yeah. It's, it's hard Fantastic. to know. It's hard to know what the right thing is to do. Um, I mean, I, I didn't go on a roller coaster till probably I was a bit older than that. So, so he's doing pretty well so far. Um, so I think my highlights from 2023, I've got two ends. Of, well, I'm going to have two, actually. <laughs> I'm going to break the rules. Uh, I'm being a rebel. Um, so two ends of the spectrum, though, because firstly, probably finally getting onto Velocicoaster, just because I'd, I'd been waiting to get on that coaster for so long, and it, and it was great. Even though I would say that I kind of wish the launches were a little bit more powerful, but I kind of understand why they're not i'm also really thankful for the person who managed not to throw up uh just before i got onto my first ride because then it would have meant the ride would have got delayed and i probably wouldn't have got on for about half an hour so a special thanks to that person who was looking like they were going to throw up but but didn't so uh big up uh for not doing that um and then my other highlight has to be doncaster fear factory at, at the pogo club because that was that was quite an intense experience. They gave me a lot of flashbacks from the late nineties, early two thousands, going to clubs with very sticky floors uh, and the smell—just uh, these weird smells going on—and <laughs> uh, getting chased around by uh, maniacal clowns um, was really quite a highlight. So yeah, Doncaster Fear Factory. So that's two two kind of ends of the spectrum there for me. Anyway. Right. Okay. So, um, so the last one that we're going to talk about is predictions for 2024. Now, um, I've got a little bit of a, a prediction and, uh, this might come back to, to, to bite me, but I'm just going to put it out there is that I think potentially Blackpool Pleasure Beach may have something exciting to announce next year. Uh, I don't know. I don't know anything, but I just keep seeing comments and, we know that they were doing some measurements and they had some uh, markers out around the old uh, bowler drone. And, I, and, I, and I'm just thinking that maybe they've got something up their, up their sleeve. So I'm going to predict for 2024 that something good may be coming to Blackpool Pleasure Beach, whether that's a roller coaster or whether it's a, a family ride or something, you know, it could, could be something. Uh, I don't know. 
Uh, but I do think there'll be something coming to 2024. Um, Sam, what's your prediction for 2024? I've, um, so I don't know if this has actually been officially announced yet or not, um, as I'm not sure. I'm not, I've, I've, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but I think there is most definitely going to be an RMC uh, coming to Alton Towers. I am so sure. I know we've been speculating on that for years, but I think this is the year that's going to happen. Um, or, or it's going to be announced at least uh, because um, obviously there's the talk of the indoor coaster, right? That's, that's going to come. Um, but more specifically, if we look back to earlier in the year when they were doing all these um, teaser videos about what was coming next into the Merlin um, worlds and things, uh, they teased with an RMC Cup, one of the, um, not Imagineers, but Merlin's version of Imagineers was holding an RMC Cup and was teasing by the fact that it was very much, very much on the cards. And I would be, I still think that they know like Alton Towers, Merlin have suddenly got to a point now where they're, they're um, appeasing more to, to enthusiasts and to try and get the enthusiasts on board again, I guess, because they're where they're trying to focus on the annual pass holders and things like that. Like a couple of years ago, they were really pushed for the annual passes to create annual pass holders to create a bit more of a community like Disney has. I mean, now I feel like they're now pushing more towards the enthusiast community. So I feel they're leaning into that a bit more on Alton Towers. Blackpool are very good at doing that. I feel like Alton Towers are uh, certainly getting there as the brands to really push towards the enthusiast more and more and more. Um, and so I would, I am sort of in my head thinking that they are probably going to announce an RMC uh, for Alton Towers, whether that is going to be uh, involved with the indoor coast that's going to be coming there. I don't know, who knows? Uh, but I genuinely think an RMC needs to happen in the UK soon. I think it's the one thing that we're all waiting for. They know everyone's waiting for. So whether that's going to be Blackpool or Alton Towers, if it's going to be anywhere in the Merlin uh, parks around the country, it will be Alton Towers because it will be a flagship attraction. Um, but Blackpool is also very coaster heavy and famous for the coasters there. So it could be them as well. So that is my prediction. I am so sure that it's going to be Mm. They, they were hinting about like a 12, 13 million pound new ride. And it was that indoor uh, ride. Yeah. That, and, and people are saying it's a secret weapon. So it, it all sort of leads in that kind of direction, doesn't it? Mm. Well, I mean, you've you got to think, why haven't they done an RMC already, right? I mean, we've been they've been wanting one for years and years and years. We've been screaming for one, sorry, for years and years and years. Um, and they're popular, right? There was a surge in the last five years of RMCs getting built all over the shop. So why are we, well, we've got a lot of theme parks in our tiny island of the UK. So why has no one taken the plunge yet? Because they don't want to just build, um, um, maybe perhaps a speculation, perhaps they don't want to build just a normal RMC, quote unquote, like, because if you try and build what's already been built, but build it lesser, then it won't be as impactful. Like you're not going to be still vengeance, right? To many people so why would we build something that's already out there but just won't build it as not build it as, as well or it's not going to be able to compete in the world of rmc's do you understand where i'm coming from so if we make it a secret weapon and make it a world first then maybe that would that would then put it on an entirely different pedestal and we don't have to compete with the other rmc's out there yeah Perhaps. now you now you've said it um it would with Project Horizon. I think when we looked at the footprint, it, it it's not got a massive footprint. I think the footprint is 
you know, it is a coaster size, but kind of, you know, not a huge coaster size. Now you said RMC, I'm, I'm thinking it would be really good to have a single rail RMC in there, potentially. That's something we don't have in the UK, but obviously we do have them. You know, the Six Flags keep building them. You know, they keep calling them, you know, Wonder Wonder Woman, Wonder Loop or whatever uh, Six Flags keep calling all their rides. It's always some sort of DC-related ride in it because it's in that colour. It's yellow, so it's a Wonder Woman ride. There you go. <laughs> um, but that would be good. But that wouldn't be a world's first, would it? So it's interesting. So I don't know if RMC have any other... I'll have to have a look into this because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking RMC did have... I'm sure that they announced some sort of new ride system that hasn't been built yet. And I'll, I might be imagining that, but I'm, I'm sure that I read something about that uh, earlier last year. So who knows? Yeah, we don't know what's going on with Project Horizon, but that's interesting. Do you think that... Are you saying that Project Horizon will be an RMC-related ride? Or are you saying that Project Horizon will be something... And then there'll be an RMC-related ride later on down the road. Uh, I'm going to say both, in all honesty. Um, I I could see Project Horizon being an RMC, being a world first, some sort of world first element involved that is RMC. So they are the first park in the UK to have an RMC, but they've done it in a way where they can't be competing with the other RMCs out there. So they're already different, right? Because if they were just to build a family RMC, they run the risk and the danger of people saying, ah, it's good, but it's it's no it's no untamed. Ah, it's good, but it's it's not well, it's no wildfire. It's could, wildfire it, could it, could it, it's could wildfire. it be the world's first single rail coaster in the dark? Because that's not right. It can be something like that. It would chuck whatever superlative or environment thing that you can do, right, to make it a world first. But it would need to be a world first so that it stands out from the rest and therefore can't be com- can't be compared to other RMCs out there. And I think it would be such a big hit for the park for the next secret weapon. You know what I mean? Here's an RMC. Here's a world fast. First, it's in the dark. It's all weather round. It's open all year because I think that's where Alton Towers is moving into, right? It's going to be the first resort, which is 365. Um, Chessington is already pretty close to 365. Alton Towers hasn't quite officially gone 365 yet. They are very, they are very, very, very close. Um, but I think it's just all they need is a few more indoor spaces or all weather spaces, and then it very much could become that. And it, it's, it would be perfect. Um, they, didn't they start bringing back the heritage tours as well, Alton Towers this year? That was really great to see. They started opening up the, the towers to actually do the castle in the summer, do the tours of the castle again. Yeah, yeah. Which was seen- cool. Yeah, I seem to remember that. Um, see, that's what I'd like to see more at Alton Towers. See, the things that they used to have before it was, you know, really a theme park. You know, when they used to have the, the train set and, you know, they had all sorts of other stuff going on. Um, because I think, and that's the other thing, you know, if they do want to be a 365 park, then they do need to have other things because clearly you can't have Wicker Man open all year. You can't have Smiler open all year. You can't have Nemesis open all year. But if they had other attractions that are indoor you know like they've got the dungeons obviously you know there's no reason why they couldn't operate 365 um they could have lots of other uh, you know gangster granny you know rides like that they could have quite a few rides and if maybe if they added to that a little bit more hex for example that could run 365 like you say they could maybe get to a point the only thing i would say is and something that's quite a big one for me is that i think 
they need to think all parks need to do this need to think about the pricing for it to be appropriate um you know uh, i've said this in the past that alton towers is somewhere that i used to go uh my 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 grandparents had, had taken me to Alton Towers uh, but they'd have to pay for a full price ticket even though they're clearly not going to go on the roller coasters and things and i do think that parks need to need to think more about this you know are we going to have someone who is taking family members but they they're an observer i guess they're not a participant or maybe if you had different uh, types of rides so you have like you know your your e-ticket ride and then you've got your you know your your you you know, air ticket ride or whatever. Um, and there could be a way around that, you know, wristbands or, or whatever. I, I don't know. But I do think they need to think about pricing from that perspective because I just don't, I, I honestly think that people are put off going or taking, especially in summer, you know, because if, you, if you've if you got kids, you know, you, you've got to take time off work to take your kids to Olin Towers and stuff. But potentially you've got grandparents who maybe have got a little bit more time maybe they could take them but maybe they're put off by doing that by thinking well i don't want to spend 40 pounds to go and not really get to do anything it's a lot of money i've said pleasure beach should do the same because they've got a captive audience you know at, they're at the seaside people are there already alton towers could do something similar i get why they don't do it because the more tickets you've got the more pricing you've got the more complicated it gets and more people take advantage of it and it, you've got to have all these processes in place to get around it um but i do think it's something that you do and if they really want to be 365 they've got to be a bit more flexible i think from the admissions perspective in my opinion um uh, yeah no I, I agree i think um that, that i don't i don't see them doing like an all year um like theme park experience anytime soon if they did i think they, they would probably have to orient the winter like experience to be more of a family friendly kind of centric um park um rather than the the roller coaster enthusiast kind of kind of shindig they've got going the rest of the time and i think doing that would it would be really hard to do um because you you might accidentally impact your brand for the sort of the core audience so like may maybe the risk of doing it is is higher than the benefit of of doing it and and you know it the logistics of, of keeping a park running and, and getting the maintenance windows still still operating and getting the park staffed, which must be an absolute nightmare. I don't know. It's it, I I would like to see it. It would be cool. Uh, I just don't. I it, it would be really hard to do. Um, Ryan on on Blackpool. Uh, I know you said it would be good to to see like a new announcement from from them. Did I, I saw a hint from the social media on Blackpool a little while ago. I wasn't sure if they were just taking the mick or something or whether it was an actual plan. But you know Hyperia is taking the thrown away from them at Thorpe Park. Yeah. And they said something about extending the big one by a few feet just to reclaim it. Were they being serious? Um no. I, I think I think there there is some work going on and I did hear there were going to be some work going on but I think it was actually just a complete wind up. <laughs> They're definitely not well they definitely can't ex extend the height of it unless they somehow change the land level or some put jacks underneath the ride or something like that um so no i i can't i can't see that personally i don't think that's that's true at all i think it was a bit of a wind up and if you notice for the last six months or so blackpool pleasure beach have been saying come to blackpool for the the uk's tallest roller coaster they've been they've been ringing that towel dry <laughs> all year 
Um, and we were really lucky to get to get on it, weren't we, in the end? Because the uh, wind alarm went on about lunchtime and, and we could have missed out if we didn't get on. So you can thank me for my, my park tactics to... Uh, to get onto the big one first um, and not later. So that's how we managed to get on it. Yeah, it was a good time. It was, it was actually nice to go on because I'm, I'm so used to parent swapping with Steph. Like I never ride a roller coaster with anyone apart from recently with Martin again, which is nice. But up, up till then, like I, I haven't ridden with anyone I know for ages. And to ride with adults is like this weird, unique, cool experience. So it was, it was nice seeing, seeing people out there and actually being at a park with theme park people again um have to book more um so from my side my prediction um is we all know that epic universe is coming um it's it's being built on schedule and i think that disney have got a few different issues right now one is that the competition is getting better and i think the other is that they've suffered a bit of a reputational setback with covid and they've axed lots of things and they've had to sort of put them back and i think a lot of people are a bit frustrated by that so my prediction is that sometime in 2024 uh maybe april when they start to sort of do sales um but maybe a little bit later in the year when things get maybe a little bit bleaker i think they're going to have some good sales on so i think if you're looking for an affordable florida holiday i think your best shout is sometime sort of august september next year um and i'm i'm going to be keeping my eye on things um because I'm, I'm curious as to what they'll come up with because like the animation studio side has suffered as well like they're not they're not they haven't had any heavy hitters for a while so it, it all seems to be coming together where they're having a bit of a poor time of it and i think this is going to affect the amount of people visiting the parks and they're going to have to combat that in some way that leads um, on to a bit of a bonus prediction from me then is that I think we're going to see free dining come back, at least for UK guests, I reckon, because this is just anecdotal. I've not seen any numbers, but I reckon the numbers of people visiting Disney specifically from the UK is down and probably quite a bit just based on the chatter that I see where people say, well, I normally go to Disney, but I'm either not going at all or I'm going to Universal. I've seen that all year, so I wouldn't be surprised if free dining has to come back next year just to attract people back over. No, it's it's in my opinion, it's all getting ridiculously expensive uh, for for Disney. Um, I was due to go in January, uh, and um, it was costing something like uh, in pounds, something like six thousand pounds for you know not even 10 days. I think it was just, I think it was just, just around about 10, you know, nine days, 10 days like that for a week and a half. I mean, that is absurdity in terms of the amount of, amount of money that was. And I think it's going to get to a point where pe people are already getting priced out and it's just going to continue to get priced out. And if they don't up their game, people are going to start going to Universal because they're going to be like, well, they've now, what, there's now four different parks, you know, with uh, Epic Universe coming in and plus uh, city walk and you're you'll be close to i drive you know it's a lot more affordable and at the end of the day um if i can go there and save myself probably uh you know sort of 1500 2000 pounds that's a no-brainer you know what i mean and it's going to be just a wonderful experience you know what i mean it's universal just as good i understand uh disney has their nostalgic feeling it's good for the families i understand that but 
at what point are people going to have to start shifting the way that they vacation because of the price being too much? Also, I think Disney have slightly suffered, again, a reputation with their, um, with Galaxy's Edge. I think it wasn't as nearly as popular as they thought it was going to be. Uh, I feel like they, uh, now I get if you're a Star Wars fan, it's incredible, but they didn't really market it. And, they didn't really, and then they had the whole thing with the, um, the, the uh, hotel, the immersive hotel being ridiculously expensive. Um, and actually a bonus prediction of mine is I think that that hotel space um, is going to be used as uh, it's going to be turned into a dark ride. I would be, I could see that being turned into either another big dark ride or some sort of uh, kind of coaster attraction, like indoor coaster attraction, like family coaster, because I think that's the park. The, that area needs a bit more thrill. Galaxy's Edge needs a bit more thrill. Um, and I would argue and say it's such a huge space that they, they had there for the hotel um, that they would be certainly not to not to use it to, to their advantage if they can. Um, but I think that I they're think... now going to need to step up their game because Epic Universe is going to come in and and wipe the wipe 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 them clean. Yeah. Agreed with with everything you've said, and also I, I'm pretty sure I, I heard some rumours that they were they were already doing something uh, to the Star Cruiser, which sort of raised some eyebrows. I think they're preparing it for something, um, but it, it's I don't think they're, they're going to be a bit limited as to what they can do with it because it was a tax write off, and I think once you've done a tax write off on something, it all becomes a bit like you, you can't then reuse it because you've, you've written off the assets or something so i don't know what they're going to do but it's it, 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 they, i don't think they can open it up as a hotel um but yeah it'd be interesting and yeah i, I think i think they're in a, a spot of bother basically brilliant all right well let's uh let's start to wrap it up there then um are we all are we all ready for christmas are you all feeling feeling festive oh very <laughs> to be fair though, no, I actually am a bit because it's been cold and a bit wintry and there's been some, you know, we've watched some good seasonal films and the kids are really into it. They've, they've just seen Santa. Uh, so yeah, I'm beginning to feel a bit Christmassy. And are you getting into the spirit over there in the, the UAE, uh, Sam? Yeah, sure. There's some nice there's some nice uh, events in the different parks we've got around here. Not, not that much, obviously, with it being the culture that it is over here. So um, you really have to kind of go and look for it and find it. But you know what? Just because it might not be 100% Christmas outside doesn't mean you can't make it 100% Christmas inside. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna try and force myself to get into the mood a bit more uh, <laughs> and uh, watch some Christmas films and hang out with friends and eat some good food. And yeah, uh, it will come. It will come in time. I know we're, we're only, it's crazy to think we're only just, what, short just shy of two weeks outside of the of the big day um and i feel like you know it hasn't really kind of happened yet for me but it will it went in time perfect dan do you want to remind everyone where they can find you yeah you can find me on on air club um so i haven't been pumping out loads of material recently uh because the plane i wanted to fly in i couldn't fly in for a while but i'm just about to get up and running in it and i'll be back at Leeds Bradford Airport, which is where I like to fly. So hopefully at last 
I'll have lots of videos coming out and it'd be great and I'm looking forward to it. So please join me over there. I'm really near 500 subscribers, really frustratingly near 500 subscribers. I need like another 40 people. So please come and join me. I'll hit my magic number. I like it. Go and join On Air Club on uh, on YouTube. But also subscribe to to our channel as well. Why not do a double double whammy there? Um, no, just just on Air Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just on Air Club. Um, Sam, uh, remind everyone where they can find you. Genuinely, go and check out On Air Club. It is amazing. I'll give a third plug for that, Dan. It's incredible. I think I've, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I really think it's such a unique bizarre awesome concept of get people from a local community or people of, of of particular notice um or notoriety sorry for yourself in a in a plane and you know and then just ask them a million questions because what else can you do when you're you know however many feet up in the air it's fantastic so cool such a cool idea well you can um, watch you can watch casablanca can't you <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> sure um you can find me at Coaster Sound Blog if you'd like to. Uh, I don't really post a lot of stuff out there uh, anymore just because I don't particularly have time in my life. However, um, if you want to reach out and find me, you can find me on there. Uh, I also have a podcast myself that called Cruising with Crew, and it's all about life on board a cruise ship. I used to work on cruise ships, and it's with a fellow friend of mine, and we talk about life for crew and guests on board various ships. So if you're a theme park person, nine times out of 10, you're probably a cruise ship person because they go very much hand in hand. So join us on Cruising with Crew on Instagram as well, um, or Coast Sandblog, and follow Theme Park MVP, and follow On Air Club. Just follow us all. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll put some links below uh for cruising with crew and uh on air club so you can click those uh below um but theme park loopy obviously you can find us on uh youtube you can find us on instagram and you can obviously find us on your favorite podcast app as well if you're listening to us on a podcast app and you're not subscribed or following if you could click that button that would be really appreciated and if you enjoy these episodes then why not leave us a, a review we really appreciate you leaving uh reviews and we thank you uh, everyone who's already left us a review we thank you and um we welcome you to the theme park loopy family is is what i like to say um it's been a really good year for the podcast i think it's uh grown exponentially uh this year it's been a really good year i was going to count how many episodes we've done this year but we have done a lot of episodes this year and we must have done more episodes this year than we ever have because I think 2021 must have been a year that we did quite a few episodes and we didn't do that many in 2022. So, well done, we did it. <laughs> right, Ryan, I've got another prediction for you. I reckon Theme Park Loopy, top 10 theme park podcast 2024. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Let's make that happen. Yeah, I mean, we are, well, we're regular in, we're, so we feature in the places and travel uh, charts um and we did actually beat uh oh we have beaten a couple of times now a, a podcast by bbc radio 4 so uh that must mean that we're uh we're getting up there i don't know if we've got quite wow. the same audience as radio 4 um i but, think we do <laughs> i definitely think we do yeah i think i think the 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 highest we've been is number 35 in the chart so that's, that's not pretty good bad. It's, it's not too bad it's it's pretty good um 
but yeah, abroad in Japan is is the one that we have to catch. <laughs> but I I love that podcast. If you if you've not listened to Abroad in Japan, then listen to it. But but maybe also listen to our podcast as well. And maybe one day we'll uh, we'll get above them in the charts. I don't know. We'll have to see. Shout out to another podcast that I absolutely love is um, I Sexted My Boss. If you ever if you ever want a good laugh. You need to listen to that. That's Someone, so someone's funny. recommended that to me before, so and I ignored funny. it. Is it good? Mm. Right, okay. fantastic! It is absolutely hilarious. It's so good, so good. Yeah, while well, we're at it, the the Adam Buxton podcast, that's another one. That's one that I I quite enjoy. Um, he he tends to like record. He must record at the start of the year and then puts them all out. And then he always does a Christmas special on Christmas Day with Adam and Joe. I don't know if you guys remember Adam and Joe, but it was like a nineties thing um so i don't know you might not remember that as much as, as i did although dan would kind of similar age so but i don't know i just didn't watch it so <laughs> i'm i'm old enough to have watched it i just didn't yeah never mind okay well uh we hope you've enjoyed the episode and we thank you for joining us and uh we'll see you again in the new year thanks for joining us and we'll see you again real soon